It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, welcome to Claret and Blue Live from Hockley Social Club. I'm Dan Rowlandson, joined by Matt Kendrick, minus a unicycle. Boo. Um, our new Aston Villa reporter, John Townley. Oh, that's that. Thank <laughs> Thank you. I don't make the rules, mate. Uh, and a returning familiar face to the show is James Rushton. How are you, mate? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, no. <laughs> that for me. <laughs> Thank you. So we did our mid-season review uh, live at the Aston Inn during the World Cup break. We're going to mostly gloss over the first half of the season for obvious reasons, but very quickly, if I had to ask you all to sum up the Steven Gerrard era in one word. John, what would you pick? My one word would probably be mistake. Okay, Matt? Sorry, Dad. James, you've not been on the podcast this season with us, so I will allow you to elaborate if you want to on that first three months of the season. Obviously, it's a, you know, Stephen Gerrard being so bad, these two, and I Emery, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to elaborate any further? Not really, no. Just in case he comes after me, I know it's all a bit. <laughs> so we'll go to the appointment of Emery then. That was the last time we did the show. Uh, he'd just come, he'd played three games, two Premier League, won them both, and lost to Man United, of course, in the Carabao Cup. We were kind of hoping that wasn't just a new manager bounce when we at the time and it was something more special than that. John, for you specifically, you went big on Emery during that first show. For those that weren't there, you were kind of raving about him and I, I think I said something like, you're going to look like a bit of a t if this all goes wrong, but fair play to you. You were right. I was, yeah, thankfully. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone was excited when he joined. Obviously, there was links to different managers, Pochettino being one, but Emery sort of flew under the radar, I thought, at the time. He seemed perfect from the moment we were sort of linked, I suppose. I think for me it was just, you know, everyone knows about his CV, what he won at Sevilla, what he did at Villarreal. He usually leaves a club in a better place than where he found it. But it was exactly what Villa needed to go to the next level in terms of actually improving the players, improving the team. Villa were never going to buy their way to Europe. You simply can't do that. You can't outspend Man United and Chelsea. And if you do, you're buying five or six players, not two that they could buy for 200 million. So. Villa had to improve the team, improve the players, and that's exactly what's happened. And now we've seen the reward of that and we're in mm. Europe, so. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? We're in Europe. Who'd have thought that back then when we were doing that last show and we were hopeful it was going to be something more? You wouldn't have said Europe, would you, Matt? Yeah, I didn't think for one minute we were going to get Europe, otherwise I wouldn't have made such a stupid, stupid promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is it too early for an analogy or not? You know a Rubik's Cube? <laughs> 
Yes. He's one of those masters who's just been able to sort... You know, you see them, I don't know, record breakers or whatever before your time. He's just been able to just make little quick tweaks, really, really... You've had previous managers who have took the stickers off and tried to move them around. You've had one who replaced it with a cabbage. You've, you've, had, you've had Dino, who managed to get a couple of the sides right, but couldn't quite get it all right. But it's just... And it's really, really subtle, little kind of tweaks that he's made with what he's got. And he's just kind of blown our mind with it. Um, yeah, just give him a contract for life. Liverpool was the first game back after Boxing Day. We lost 3-1 at home, of course. But we go on to react well at Spurs, winning 2-0 on New Year's Day. At that stage, it looked like we were almost a little bit of an away team rather than a home team. I know it was a small sample size, but we could already see at that point that it, it was more than a new manager bounce, wasn't it? Yeah, like, uh, I remember when um, Steve Bruce left in uh, acrimonious circumstances with a few vegetables on the pitch and then we had Dean Smith and you saw an instant change in the pitch and that then took that next level. It was that, had that change in the championship and then again a huge change in the Premier League. It was, it was almost instant from the previous manager to this current manager. Even just these little things and the massive difference they make you know, instantly. John, when did you start to believe in Unai Emery's style of play? Because it, it was a change that we all had to get used to, be more patient, this kind of slow build-up, the, the, the moans and groans and the halting and things like that. All that's gone now and yeah. we're all fully on board with it. When did you start to believe? I mean, beating Man United at home is always a good <laughs> yeah, start. Game. We hadn't done that for a while. I think Tottenham away, when was the last time we controlled a top six team away from home? Weirdly, it might, I don't know, it might sound a bit stupid, but after we lost three games... <laughs> I then believed, and let me explain. So, throughout that period, we were still playing exactly how Emery wanted to play. And the reason I say that that's when I believed that it was going to work is because other managers would have thought, OK, we're going to have to rip up playing out from the back. We're making mistakes. We're making too many errors. And that Leicester game was full of mistakes, wasn't it? But after then, we then go, and I think that was then when we stayed unbeaten in 10 games. But you have to go through the hard times to improve as a team. If you start changing things, you're going to get nowhere. So weirdly, after those three games, that's when I thought, we're actually on something here because he's not going to change it. And yeah. that's when you improve. I've got to ask you about the Stevenage FA Cup defeat. You always back us to win the FA Cup every single year. And you'll be right one of these years, hopefully next year. You were annoyed in the last show we did live because it was the Carabao Cup defeat just before then. It was, that was a, a chance gone to win a trophy. I expect you were equally as frustrated with that Stevenage result. Yeah, I think we know that we've recruited the, the master of cup competitions, so for us to kind of exit, I thought both of the competitions quite lamely. Um, oh, at Old Trafford, I thought that was an opportunity. Then at home to Stevenage, I thought it was just going to be a procession, if anything. Um, it was frustrating, but I think we, we said when, when Emery took over that there's going to be bumps in the road. You know, if we can trust this guy... If he's with our club three to five years, we'll be in much better shape on and off the pitch. And that was one of the ones where I had to think to myself, you know, I'd have probably, in days gone by, we'd have probably splashed on the front page of the mail, the shame and disgrace and that kind of thing. And, but it was one of those ones where you think, OK, it's early in the project. I think the, the thing that particularly about that game that frustrated me was that we were expecting um, reserve team players don't get me on the lack of reserve team football because that's another kind of high horse that I'll be on all night. But they have to come in. They're quite rusty. They don't play much first team football. Yeah. And then they have to adapt to the Emery way straight away. And I can still have nightmares about that ball going into to Den Donker. Um, and it's, it was frustrating, but 
in terms of the bigger picture, we're going to win the FA Cup next season. I can see it's, it's our year. You'll be right one of these days. Um, what are you going to do if we win the FA Cup? Because well, I'm going to have to be cryogenically preserved, I think. So you're going to have to pour some hot water on me to wake me back up. It's going to be, it's going to be a while away. But uh, I don't know, maybe I'll ride a bike with two wheels if we win the FA Cup. How about that? I suppose the biggest thing there is that a lesser manager, you kind of almost be a bit doom and gloom about an FA Cup defeat because it is, you know, Villa realistically have got the chance to win two trophies. No, obviously we're in Europe next year, but this season the FA Cup and the League Cup, yeah, we're not going to win the league, are we? Let's face it. But I suppose a good manager, an Emery or an elite manager, they learn from those kind of things, and we bounce back after that with um, two wins against Leeds and Southampton. And yes, they ultimately both go down, but you still bounce back well. And, and Emery will learn more from days like Leicester at home and Stevenage rather than Fulham at home. So, yeah, precisely that. Again, as I sort of mentioned earlier. Only in those difficult periods, like when we conceded against Brighton. I know we won the game, but that was a bad error, and there was a lot of you know sort of discussion about, oh, well, we had enough, we don't have the players to play out from the back, and that's been proven completely wrong over the last what four months. How quickly we've developed as a team, and how quickly Emery's embedded his, I suppose you could say, philosophy and the identity he wants to put on the team on a group of players who have never played this brand of football or to this level. I think that probably speaks about what Emery does in midweek. You know, after the Stevenage game, it wasn't just okay. Let's, you know, sort of push under the carpet. I'm sure they would have been there for hours, looking, you know, in the cinema room at the Abbot more, um, analysing the game. Where did it go wrong? And here's why we're going to continue to play like this. And yeah, um, as, as I say, that's bearing fruit now. Mm. One of the talking points that almost went under the radar a little bit because you're kind of so game, game, game. Danny Ings leaving in January, something that we probably didn't talk about too much. At the time, how did you assess that? Because Ollie Watkins had scored three goals by the time Danny Ings left. So were you concerned or do you just kind of go, well, if Emery thinks that's the right thing to do, so do I? It's a win-win, I think. Got the goals, got the money. West Ham didn't get either. <laughs> so yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it was the right time to sell Danny Ings with 12 months left. I was actually a bit shocked that it was well, 12 months this summer, but we didn't sign him so long ago, did we, for big mm. money? Um, but yeah, I mean, fair play to Wings. He still played his part in ultimately what was a really successful Villa campaign. Scored twice against Brighton, which yeah. is clearly a crucial yeah. match. Come on against Wolves, turned that game around. Should have won it. He, you know, that's he, well, he should have had an assist for Leon Bailey at the end, shouldn't he? But his contributions over the season can't really be lost on me. Although it was ultimately a bit of a disappointing signing. Um, it was the right time, I think, to part ways. And 50 million quid for, a, I presume he was 30 at the time when we sold him. Yeah, good money. That's 15 million, you said then. 15. We'll talk about Ollie Watkins a little bit further on. Like I said, he had three league goals at the time, and we probably were a little bit concerned that is he the man to, to score 15 or so. Um, I put in the little kind of notes I've got here, and you laughed at this yesterday. We go into February, and it all starts to go a bit wrong. Uh, a 4 2 defeat to Leicester at Villa Park, the most notable Man City and Arsenal follow, which, I mean, I don't know how much you can read into that. They're two great sides, but it is three, three straight defeats. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. John, how did you feel during that run? Because I suppose you could argue Emery would have learned things from those, but... It's yeah. not great, is it losing three games? Yeah, I probably answered it a bit, <laughs> a bit too early earlier, but I, I felt not positive about the situation, but I thought, well, we know that Emery isn't going to change what he wants. And again, this is only now when the players will learn how to play. Um, but in context as well, Man City away is Man City away. I mm. believe we won the second half, if you want to kind of take a cheap win out of it. <laughs> You're never seeing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Arsenal game as well, we should have take, taken something from. Um, Obviously, there was a bit of a disaster at the end, what happened. And then Leicester was a game like, littered with errors. But that was the one where you thought we'd win. So it was disappointing to lose that one in particular. But again, that was, in my opinion, set us up for a 10-match unbeaten run. Do you ever feel concerned when we lose a game? I don't know how, what I mean by that question, but under poor managers, you lose a game, you think, oh, that's a disaster. This means this, this means that. With Emery, not that you want to like, shrug off a defeat, but you do kind of think, well, we'll, we'll be better because of it. See, I only tend to go to games at Villa Park, so I can't remember what it's like to lose a game. It's been, it's been a while, hasn't it? Um, the Arsenal game in that run was interesting, because I thought we, we went toe-to-toe with Arsenal for, for a lot of that, a very good Arsenal team. And, you know, I've got nothing against Arsenal particularly, but I thought that ball going in off Martinez's head was going to be played forevermore in the pivotal thing that won them the title. Sometimes when we've, we've played against the big clubs or... The, the clubs towards the top of the league, we've had an inferiority complex whereby anything that we can get, you know, almost like we're playing as the, the cup underdogs and we're expected to go over, go there and be, be turned over. But even the games that we lose under Emery, I don't get that sense. I get the sense that we're still being competitive and we still believe that we can go and achieve things. Uh, so nobody likes losing, do they? But uh, for a start, it kind of hits our podcast numbers, doesn't it, quite massively. But... Again, it's, it's a hard thing for us to do as Villa fans because for the last, I don't know, 12 years, 10 years, we've had to come to terms with not being as great as we think we are. So when somebody says, take a step back, roll with the setbacks and look at the bigger picture, we've been kind of missold this dream several times over the last decade, decade or so. So for us to do that now and for us to give our complete trust to this guy... I don't know, I think it's a leap of faith, but I think it's one that's worth taking. Yeah. Then it's ten unbeaten, which Aston Villa don't do things like that, not in the Premier League at least. Eight wins, two draws. That's some going, isn't it? That I mean, I'll jump back into the period around that, that Chelsea game. The previous three defeats that we mentioned, we conceded 11 goals. I mean, we said Man City, Arsenal, whatever, but Leicester, four goals at home is terrible. In the five games that follow that, so Everton to Chelsea, we conceded one, and that's a penalty at, at West Ham. Like... I don't really know what my question is there, but that just shows how good Emery is, doesn't it? I think the the Chelsea one, I, I mean, I, I wrote when we beat Southampton, and it almost seems like a like a, a different century mm. when we beat Southampton. I think, before was it before the World Cup or maybe slightly after the World Cup, but it didn't matter. I thought then that's when you start sewing those threads of European football and getting it together, but it wasn't until that Chelsea match and that performance, one that if you're not a Villa fan, it's the one you mock. If you are a Villa fan, you see so much more. You take so much more from it. Yeah. You know, you, you leave there with, with the biggest three points of the season so far. And it, it, then you start believing that, that something great is happening here. You've t- 
essentially, if you look where Chelsea have finished and where we finished, just eating their lunch at their place, <laughs> taking it. And they fell off a cliff since then. And we went on to, you know, greater and greater things. And other people were saying, you know, when's it going to end for Villa? Because it's Villa. And we knew from that Chelsea match, maybe it actually doesn't end this season. Maybe this is the season we have a go. Yeah, I mean, shipping 11 goals in those three, you almost think the first job there is, right, let's stop conceding goals and maybe you get, again, a lesser manager becomes very negative, very kind of sharp, sharp. I don't even feel like it was like that under Emery. We still kind of played our way and, and had our principles. So then win four of five and then eight of ten, it's just, it's brilliant, isn't it, John? Yeah, I think from the, uh, from the Everton game until the Leicester game that we won away, I think it was one goal conceded from open play, which was the Leicester game, the Harvey Barnes one. Yeah. And that was a ball over the top, and Young, I think, got caught out, but difficult to defend, I suppose. So, yeah, that sort of epitomised everything. That's exactly what we want to bring into next season, and we've shown that we can do it with a group of players who, apart from one player, well, Duran as well, but Moreno and Duran, apart from those two players, it's exactly the same team that he inherited under Gerard, a team that was... What was Gerard doing, man? A team that was um, outside the bottom three on goal scored, when Gerard left after 11 games. So, yeah, I mean, we just completely flew under the radar, didn't we, that time? I don't know so why. We were in 11th for so long as well. I've seen, like, a, a tracker thing of where you are, and it's Villa just in 11th for a long time. So I think people, yeah. you just think, oh, Villa must have been eking out draws. Or whatever. We're winning games every single the, week, but never moving. Yeah, I was watching a video earlier, just consuming some football content, as you do, and there was right in every Premier League team season, and I was watching it thinking, oh, they're going to talk about Villa soon. That they didn't even talk about Villa, as in they literally said 19 teams and then stopped the video. And I, I know that's a mistake, but it's just a general thing of media sometimes, kind of just forgetting that we're there. Mm. And we're not that, fashionable, it, are we? I don't think. I don't know why, <laughs> but mm. that is the case, I think. So, yeah, we flooded the radar completely. Maybe that's a good thing for us, but I feel like even when we got seventh, it was a case of, oh, where did Villa come from? Oh, Villa in seventh, that's good for them. You yeah. know, fair play. I don't, don't know how they did it. And it's like, well, because we've conceded, like, five goals in five months or something. So, yeah, if you did some analysis on it, you'd know why, basically. Back to Chelsea very quickly, Matt. John McGinn's goal was his first in 16 months, I think. It was, the stat was, it was in days, and it was, I don't know what that is, 400 or whatever, I don't know. Maths is terrible. To me, that kind of completes his redemption arc, I guess, to be. He's the captain under pressure. He finally scores a goal in a big game, as we've all said. And I think that, that week, Chelsea, Leicester and Forest, nine points in a week, that was the, the turning point for me, but I'm a McGinn specifically. Yeah, very just, good. Just a window into my world on that afternoon. I was, my dad's over here. We were, uh, I was having a meal with my mum and dad and my sister. She booked tickets for us to go and see the Mersey Beatles in a theatre in Redditch. So I'm watching bits of the game and John McGinn's goal on my phone like, while our starter's arriving or whatever it is. And then I've got an extra spring, spring in my step on the night as we dance into Hard Day's Night with surrounded by kind of 60, 70, 80-year-olds. And uh, what a night that was, I'm telling you. What a, way to, what a way to celebrate. But I think McGinn, in answer to your question, McGinn was... I don't know, we, we've, we've been digging him out a couple of times, haven't we? Because we, we know what he was capable of. We saw the way he led the charge, particularly during the, champ, during the championship season. I think that was the one that we kind of knew it anyway, but that announced his return. I think he'd already been hinting at that before that anyway. Um, but I think, you know, the, the character of the guy um, to actually put himself forward, we're questioning whether he should be, whether he was captain material, but I think 
he's not only got himself back into em Emery's team, but he's actually become a kind of heartbeat of the way that Emery wants to play. Um, so that goal to me was one that perhaps announced his announced his return, and and since then, and even before then, I think he's been brilliant. Hmm. Um, just on that goal as well, you said where you where you were when the McGinn goal went in. I was literally speaking to John Eustace, the Blues manager, <laughs> in the middle of a press conference after the game. I just had my laptop there, and then the ball comes out. Straight in, yeah. It's kind of, I don't know where you were, James, but it's a bit of fun anyway. You know? Just watching it, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. You're in a better place than me. <laughs> Did you wipe your feet on the way out from St. Andrews? Yeah, that's like the best place you could have actually. <laughs> I, I can't imagine a better scenario, to be honest. Somebody else that kind of announced himself, I guess, after being shipped off to Turkey or whatever, Bertrand Traore in that Leicester game, like I said, that week was, was pivotal for me. The podcast that we did after <laughs> that Leicester game, John's basically in tears. But it was, it, was, it was emotional, I think, because it was like, this is, this is a big moment, and I think we knew it at the time. Grow up, John. <laughs> yeah, get a group. I, I remember you texted me. I actually lost my, uh, my Sky remote. It was down the back of the surface. So I was stressing about that. And then you were like, oh, we need to do a podcast. We just have to jump on the bandwagon. I was like, Dad, I'm not ready Don't for call this. call it a bandwagon. No, but I'm, I'm not emotionally prepared. <laughs> like, I, I know I'm going to just say something stupid or look silly. Uh, and I did. But, yeah, wow. Like, yeah, you can't top that. To me, that was the... That's just how, how do you top Birch and Troy? It's not back. even like a scrappy goal either. It's goal of the season. Absolute worldy. Like you, there's certain points in Villa's so modern history over the last five or six years. I don't know. Grealish getting assaulted, then scoring against Blues. Alan Hutton scoring from the halfway line, doing all that. Troy, Troy always in that bracket for me of like just jaw dropping moments, and not many clubs have that. And <laughs> funny enough, we do. So more of that, please. Yeah, the context is better though because we needed to score and everyone was telling him not to shoot. So that makes it, I think, the goal of the season because of why. Do you agree that that was the springboard for that next three or four games, Matt? It's funny because I don't think I was due to be on the podcast that night and I hadn't watched the game, so I'd probably seen it on teletext or something. And I think you said, John, John's getting emotional, jump on and join the party. I was like, it's a Tuesday night, we've got work, it's a school night, we've got work tomorrow. Um, but you've but got to speak about it. You've got to be part of that. No, it was. You, you could just, I don't know, you could just see the momentum building and you thought, well, I'd normally try and be the kind of an that anchor. That's the, the yeah. anchor yeah. in the room. <laughs> Does he? Does he actually try and be the anchor? <laughs> and I try and kind of keep, because I've got years and years of cynicism and, you know, kind of Villa doing the dirty on us. So I try and kind of keep you, keep you all grounded. Um, but you could just see. You could just not. You promised the unicycle. Again, I think you put. You got carried away as well, then. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
what you've done to me, you whippersnappers. But it was, yeah, you could just see that that was a, that was a, a really big, a really big moment. Um, even then, I didn't think for one minute it was going to snowball the way it did. No, I suppose not. We still had a lot to do, but a Newcastle at home is another big one in that, that 10-game on beat and run. Amazing atmosphere, obviously a massive resort against a team that has done very, very well. We need more days like that at Villa Park, don't we, that kind of atmosphere. I mean, I don't really have a question or anything, but how, how good was that day? I don't think anyone in this room needs me to tell you how good that game was because it almost had that one of, you know, you, you see onto it and everyone's like, yeah, not today, not today. And it's when, it's when Villa almost surprise you, but don't because deep down you know that, you know, it's Villa Park, we've been doing well, we've got them. We always think this is a team that's doing so much better than us. You know, what's going to happen? And we've seen, that, we've seen that, what Arsenal did, come on. Yeah. But then you just take it away from them. You take it away from a team who's had all the plaudits all season. Who's having, by all rights, their best season as well. Having a great season on their own right. So, yeah, <laughs> don't need to tell me how good he was. I think after everything that we had done up until that Newcastle game, that still felt like the acid test of, as James says, that is, apart from the obvious teams that are going to do well in the season, Newcastle, for me, were right up there in terms of how solid they were, You know how much Eddie Yowes improved the squad like Emery has with Villa. Mm. We were obviously at home, but it just didn't feel like a game that we were going to blitz them with. Like Tottenham at home, I thought we would, and we kind of did. And then other games, I thought we would, and we did. But that game felt... I didn't get that feeling. But as soon as the game started, we made them look really average, like a Newcastle team you'd expect to come to Villa Park yeah. you know, in bygone Years seasons. By. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Newcastle are a top team, and for us to do that, make them look so, say, average, then that... I think that's when people probably set up and took note of us a little bit. <laughs> Again, not as much as what I think they should have. But yeah, that was a game that all... That's, if you could pin up a game and say this is exactly how Villa need to be playing or a perfect performance, yeah. that was it. Oh, like little moments in games, just like Dan Byrne, all six foot seven of him, bleating to the referee like he was crying to his mum because he'd been bodied by little John McGinn. <laughs> and it's just little things like that that just, you know, just epitomise kind of what, what the spirit's about. Um, yeah, it summed it up for me. It was a, a brilliant... I don't know, probably throw it open to the room in the second half, if not not now, but I can't recall a more comprehensive, complete performance from Villa, yeah, from Villa Park in the last 20 years. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm getting carried away with a bit of hype and stuff, but I can't... Given the hype surrounding Newcastle and where they were and what they've done this season, for us to just take them apart... Um, so kind of unforgivingly. It was, it was as good as anything I've seen for 20 years, genuinely. Just to round off that 10-game on beating streak, Brentford away is, is a good point. Fulham at home, we win in a different way to the Newcastle game completely that I don't really think we've had to come out of first gear, I think we to be should, honest. Just on that Brentford one, I was covering Frash at the time and I thought we showed real character in that game. We were massively disrupted by Martinez coming off and up until then in the first half, we played well. You know, we were in the game controlling it a little bit. Brentford are obviously really good at, um, at home and they deserve to be where they are on the table. They were a Brighton goal against us away from being in Europe. So to be going there at the end of that run, um, then Martinez comes off. We are massively disrupted uh, when Olsen comes on. And to come out of that game with a point, I think Emery said after the game in his press conference, he was genuinely like delighted. I'd never seen him that sort of happy before about a point. But that proved that I think to him that this team has proper character as well. It's not just that they can step up and play a different brand of football, it's that they that they really want it and they can fight for the points as well. And that point is I mean you can say about any of the thirty uh, how many how many points we had, but that is you know, clearly got us over the line as well. So 
Yeah, and despite defeat to Man United to end the winning run, of course, it's them. The race for Europe is, is well and truly on as we head into May, which is a, a great position for Aston Villa to be in, considering where they were when we did the first live show. Then there's that game in, with Wolves. Is that a missed opportunity in some aspects? Like I know ultimately we know that we all go on to qualify for Europe, but and you could say it's about any result, but if we had to beat Wolves, we'd have been in the Europa League instead. I've got to talk about that one. That's the only one I don't want to talk about. Why? Don't I just hurt? Really? It just hurt a bit more. I just thought, you know, we're going to win every game. You know, I was a bit like a kid then. I think it brought back, like, the whole vibe of the, those, you know, Martin O'Neill days watching Ashley Young do his thing, watching John, John Crew do his thing. So I think, you know, you see these games, you know, we can, we can, we can do our bit in each one. Then we lost that one. And, you know, I always thought it was going to be a tough game. Wolves, away, always going to be. But I just thought we could do so much more in that one. And I think a, that, that was. It was a body blow, wasn't it? That's what yeah. it felt like. It felt like a yeah. punch to the stomach, like a proper, like, oh. Are we going to do it now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, don't get me. It wasn't that bad. It's just the fact it was Wolves and the fact that it was in that t that time. If it's at the start of the season, you'd probably go, okay, next game. The fact it was there, you, you were never going to think we weren't going to progress or yeah. carry on. But that's the moment when you've got no reason to doubt anything that you maybe go, mm, actually... Yeah, who's, who's behind us? Who's catching up? Yeah, there were calls at the time of like Villa have run out of steam, like they, they've gone too far with a set group of players. Is that the way you saw it, Matt? Was that the first goal, with the first game we failed to score in under Emery? United. After you, yeah, back yeah, to back. two in a row. Yeah, but even then I didn't think it was. You're gonna get you're gonna get setbacks along the way, and that game I think did Mings miss. Sitter. Mings missed a good chance. In that game, and you know, it's, I don't know, I, I think once we'd got that momentum, I didn't think there was going to be anything that was going to stop us, to be honest. Um, and, you know, if we have to lose, I mean, dig him out again. My dad's a Wolves fan, but don't boom, don't oh. boom off. We'll tell you the story about that in the second half. Um, <laughs> but if we're going to lose, we're going to lose. But I, I think the, the good thing about Emery is they don't seem to have hangovers from from defeats, they just seem to, like you said before, learn from it and crack on again. I thought there was a bit, just on that Wolves game, I think there was a bit of an overreaction to it because, again, it felt like that body blow of, oh, we're probably not going to do it now, and then there was calls, as you say, for Villa have run out of steam, but I felt like in every game in that 10-match one, we blew away some teams, but then other games, we'd win 2-1, 2-0, but it would be relatively tight, we'd just take mm. the chances and keep clean sheets. It was a set piece that we conceded against Wolves, wasn't it? I think Totti's header. Yeah. And then Mings had a really good chance. There was another good chance. I forget. I forget now who it fell to. But we could have won that game on another day two-one, and that would have mm. just been exactly the same game. If you like, you could have put that in the ten-match and beaten run, and it wouldn't look out of place. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So it just didn't fall to us on that day, and in the end, it didn't really matter. But it just felt, uh, yeah, disappointing at the time. James, do you want to talk a little bit? Like I said at the start, you've not been on before, so for time to expand, and I liked a few more than one word this time. Ollie Watkins pivotal in the second half of the season. We mentioned him earlier, three goals in January. To end on 15 is bloody good, isn't it? Turned the lead, didn't he? And yeah. the only thing I want to say is the people who stand behind me at Villa always hate on him. Like, for, I don't know why. You just see him do everything, holding up, doing everything. The second he does something wrong, it's Ollie Watkins again. And he, he could do what, you know, you, you see how many goals he scored this? They're over there, mate. Oh. <laughs> I, I do mean every word I've just said. <laughs> if you are actually over there, please stop moaning about players who are doing very, very good. And he was. like, I think if you are looking for a player to properly criticise, not Ollie Watkins. Yeah. No way. So far away from it. I mean, there's little things you can say, but not, 
you can't have a go at a player who has literally put the team on his back in some games, scoring yeah. those goals. And again, we said this before about, you know, you could look at any point as the point that got us over the line, but technically Ollie Watkins' goal on the final day gets us into Europe. You mentioned Ings leaving, didn't you? And there's always this kind of thing that Watkins was the one who'd worked the channels, put the graft in, but Ings was the one who was the natural finisher. So when Watkins missed a chance in the first half of the season, it was Ings would have stuck that away. And I think somehow the magician that is Emery has been able to relieve Watkins of some of that work rate, get him in the box, but get the team, get the players around him, moving up the qu- moving through the field in a more productive way. And it, I think I think I'm not a sports psychologist, as you probably know, but I think Watkins that almost that belief that that Emery's given him that you're my main man. I don't need. We don't need Danny Ings. We don't. I don't need to rotate you anymore. You're my main man. Watkins kind of taken that and, and run with it. And I can't even even remember which game it was, but there's one game where he's done a, a little dinked finish. I think that was so un Ollie Watkins yeah. in the past. And you're thinking that's a that's a guy who's absolutely buzzing. Um, Chelsea goal, I think that was. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Into the final three games, and it's kind of crunch time, isn't it? You're looking at it in the fixture list and. Maybe at one stage we're looking at Christ, Spurs, Liverpool and Brighton to end the season. Like, Hopefully we've got all our points by then to stay up. But now we're talking about it in a different context of we probably need six points here to, to get into Europe. And even that might be a tall order. That might be too much. I think you did a video in here about the kind of prediction for the season. Like four, to be fair. It was like the Just unlikely route to Europe because we yeah. felt like it's a big task for Villa to do it. Three good sides there. Um, well, two good sides in Tottenham, I suppose. What did you think heading into that final three? Were you confident we'd get those points or were you, yeah, you were? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. So, everything that I was saying was, as long as we're in, as long as we're still in the race to get 7th, 6th, wherever it may be, to get into Europe before those three games, we'll do it. Because, as you say, Tottenham at home, for me, was a banker. It was actually a bit closer than what I thought it was going to be in the end, but it was a banker. Uh, and on the final day, if we had to be Brighton, we would do it, and we did. The game in the middle, which was Liverpool, was a kind of a depending, you know, will we have to get something, will we not? As it turned out, we did, um, because of that Wolves game. And we couldn't rely on Leeds on the final day, as it turned out. So, yeah, that point against Liverpool was huge in the end. But, as I said, that, that final three, as long as we were in the race for it, we'd have got it, because we knew there were six pointers there against Brighton. Um, and Spurs, potentially six points against Brighton, but at the time, those were the three teams ahead of us, weren't they? So, yeah. I was confident that we were going to do it, and we did. The pessimist at the end of the table, were you as confident? I remember the Spurs game, and there's a guy who sits next to me and turned up and said, you optimistic? Nah. Um, I said, we never beat Spurs at Villa Park. And we started looking through soccer base to find out how far back, I don't know when it was, 2008? Yeah. Or something like that. Um, but again, they looked, they looked like a spent force, and we looked like a team on the up. And... And so it proved, and it just made me laugh with some of the analysis after the game where talking about how Villa's high line, high defensive line was going to get caught out rather than the, the quality and the, and the tactics that Emery had bought. But we've got a bit of a chip on our shoulder, haven't we, that we don't get the, the, the wider attention and love that we think we deserve. Um, I don't really care. 
about it because those of us who know and those of us who watch know that this is a special time and it's a special time that we've waited waited long enough for. So it's the best points tally since, I don't know, 2008, 2009, something like that. It's the first time that we got into Europe since 2010, 11, I think. Or is it 10, 11 or 9-10? People in here will know, I should know. Got knocked out in the playoff round, didn't we, to Rapid Vienna, which could happen again. The original question here when I started planning the show was like, is the season a success or not? Because it was still on the knife edge of, will we get Europe or not? So the obvious answer now is, yes, it is a success. So if I had to ask each of you to rate the season out of 10, what would you go with? Oh, I'm greedy, aren't I? Um, I think it's got to be an eight, hasn't it? What would make it a 10? FA Cup. <laughs> James? Yeah, I'd go... Maybe a nine, had all the drama, ups and downs, you know, at the start, you, you would not believe it. If, you know, if he was time-travelling, going back to the, when Gerard left, and telling him that'd be, you know, A, because you're saying you're a time-traveller, would be happy anyway. <laughs> but also, where Villa ended up from that point is unreal, and it would only improve on that if there was a better performance in the League Cup or the FA Cup, because that was a that was a disaster, no matter who, was the, who the manager was. We talked a little bit about how Villa don't get kind of the... the I'd, I'd say nine out of ten oh, as well. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> in case Thank you, you care. But there's a lot of talk about kind of Villa not getting the credit in the media and that kind of thing. And I think we said at one stage that's a video in itself. Like we can look at crap analysis from certain pundits and stuff, and you know, the kind of same old cliches come out every so often. Don't know that oh, Ollie Watkins, oh Dean Smith bought him a fish tank. Oh Christ, get some new material. But that's a story for another day. The Premier League Manager of the Year, let's talk about that very quickly. Obviously, Emery was a candidate. I don't think anyone really would have believed that he would have won it. But to even be in that conversation, first of all, shows obviously, of course, how far it would have come. But to me, Pep Guardiola winning it, and this is slightly off topic, it's like, well, Man City were probably expected to finish top of the league or second. So for him to achieve that, it's like, well, he's done the job he was expected to do. Nobody would have looked at Aston Villa and Emery and said, well, they, they'll get into Europe, so he's done it, so we expected him to do He's, I think I saw a graphic of like the managerial changes throughout the season and Emery was the biggest transformation between pre that manager and after, going up 10 places from 17th to 7th. De Zerbe obviously done very well with Brighton, Thomas Frank, I suppose, Marco Silva, Arteta even to probably get second with Arsenal is, is unexpected. And yes, like the, the kind of national media and whatever else will go Pep or Arteta. And like I said, I don't believe it would be Emery. But for us... It's like, well, he should be in that conversation because he did something that we, none of us going back six months could have imagined he would have done that. Yeah, I'm with you on the Guardiola stuff because... It's boring, isn't it? If you expected he win, to win the Some league? people say if he wins a treble, then... Well, yeah, but you don't win a treble in the Premier League. It's Premier League yeah. manager of the season, isn't it? Premier League manager of the season needs to exceed expectations. And I know Man City can't exceed the expectations because it's first and you can't get higher than that. But, like, Gary O'Neill at Bournemouth. I know this is a Villa podcast, but... It have thought Bournemouth is staying up after they lose 9 0 to Liverpool. Um, yeah, Emery is probably in what, top five, top four, would you say, for sure? Uh, I think so. Um, again, no one would have expected him to have finished in European football, Villa fans or anyone else. You know, even the most sort of passionate Villa fans probably wouldn't have thought that. I mean, I, I think I might have said, oh, we're only four points out, but that was in no way a, you know, a prediction. So, yeah, he's in the top five, top four, if you want to call it that. I'm not sure if he's managed the season because he came in two thirds of the way in, so I'd. I don't know if it works like that, but... Don't know, I feel like that kind of makes the, po better, the yeah. point. No, you're, you're, you're completely right, don't get me wrong, but I feel like if De Zerbi won it, or if Gary O'Neill was even in the thing and won it, yeah. I wouldn't have felt so hard done by, but the mm. fact that Emery's and De Zerbi didn't win it. And don't get me wrong, Guardiola, brilliant, what he's done is brilliant, but the resources there are, you know, 
massive. Well, yeah, unimaginable. He won it. We move on. We know what we've got and we know it's special. So, I'm guessing you don't care. I don't massively care. Okay, I, think, um, I think the biggest prize he could possibly wish for is seeing all of us, 40,000 of us, saluting him and applauding him around the pitch um, with, with Wes and Nassif the other day. So I don't think he'll care massively either. Uh, That's like extremely Ted Lasso, isn't it? That's like really like... <laughs> don't like, no spoilers, mate. I've not, not seen it yet. No spoilers. Um, believe. The way he conducts himself and represents Aston Villa, there is nobody that I'd rather have in that position to sort of, you know, lead that role on and off the pitch. And yeah, he's been a credit to the club and I'm just so glad that he's not just here now, but he's going to take us forward over the next, hopefully, however many, you know, however many years, you know, many years in the, you know, down the line because the club are trying to build something around him and say, you know, whoever tries to come in with you, stuff like that, you can't have this power anywhere else. And anything you need, you've got it here. And he's, you know, say he's already taken the club into Europe. I, I don't see really much ceiling for that. He wants to be playing in the Champions League with Villa. And I back him to do that. So a little bit on the scenes for everyone here. For the YouTube version, we're now going to cut that there. And this will be kind of part one. Part two will be coming in the next couple of days. So can we have a round of applause so I can cut that in for afterwards? Thank you. Thank you much, all right. <laughs>